Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. We at Fatanize pay our respect to the traditional custodians of the Mianjin land. This land is and always will be Aboriginal land. Is this thing on? Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Fatanize. I'm your host, Zemi Lynch, and we are back again deep diving some topics that are near and dear to the hearts of the plus size community. And we have the fabulous follower here, Gemma Dwyer. Hello, my dear. How are you? Good, thank you. Thank you so much for coming onto the show because you were here to talk about your experience of pregnancy, getting maternity clothes as a plus size woman. And as soon as you emailed me with your story, I'm just like, oh my God, I need to have you on. Listeners will be able to relate. At least I hope, I hope not actually, would probably be my comment there, but sadly I think there will be too many people who do relate. Yes, yes. It's the, I, I'm someone that hasn't experienced pregnancy or anything like that. So when I was reading your story, I was just like gobsmacked on how much, how far we still have to go and how messed up it must be for people in the plus size community that are trying to get pregnant and that are experiencing the pregnancy journeys. So Big appreciation for you coming onto the show. And for people that might not know right now, we are recording with video. And behind the beautiful Gemma right here is a <laughs> lovely specimen I think we must also introduce to the podcast. Who is the lovely specimen behind you? That This is Jojoba, the name that nobody can pronounce, um, but our beautiful cat who has decided to star in all of the video <laughs> footage. <laughs> Just completely like on the bag with the paws in, just like I am a star. How do you pronounce it? Jojoba. 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 Where does that num- name come from? That is a beautiful name, by the way. Well, thank you. Well, it's actually, um, it started as a bit of a joke of looking around the room, trying to think of if we got a pet, we'd name them this. And I had a bottle of jojoba oil to put on my face. And we said jojoba and we're like, ha ha, how funny. And then we got a cat and we actually named her Jojoba. And every visit they're like, Jojo Bar? Hojoba? <laughs> so, yes. I love so much that she's named after oil. And she's literally posing right now. Like she's just like, oh yeah, oil me up. Oil me up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so before I get more distracted by your cat in the background, we will let's get into this episode. I think it's good we start from the beginning of your pregnancy journey, if you're happy to. Take us back to the beginning of the pregnancy journey and where things got a bit complicated and where things you notice a bit of fat phobia happening when you went to the doctor's appointments. Yeah, and I guess I might just, before I even jump into that, I guess talk about my experience as much as there have been some negative experiences with doctors and medical staff. I'm so fortunate we fell pregnant very easily. We didn't have any issues in pregnancy and I'm so self-aware that that is not everyone's experience. Um, So I guess as I talk through this, I do want to be really conscious of just saying that 
I, I didn't have any complications and we were really, really lucky, which I guess then brings into some of the bias that I'll go through as I start through this. So um, we literally fell pregnant the first month we tried. Um, very lucky, kind of a surprise, very happy surprise. I went to my regular doctor. He was great. I've been seeing him literally since I was about four years old. So he knows me. He knows my journey. I'm the sort of person whose weight has fluctuated from a very low weight to a higher weight. And that is fine. Um, and I guess to kind of side note that, I find it really interesting approaching this, having been a much lower weight, knowing that I was probably at my unhealthiest, at my lowest weight. Mm -hmm. So, and even talking about that with my partner today of my skin was screaming for me to eat more and do more. And I was riddled with anxiety and that's why my weight was so low. And yet you'd go to doctors and they'd praise you and say, great work. Oh my gosh. Yes. I've had that happen so many times. I go into the doctor and be like, oh, you've lost weight since the last time you've been in. It's just like, um, I'm obsessed with my fitness power right now. And I'm <laughs> angry all the time because I'm hungry all the time. So, yeah. mm. and at my lowest weight, I was literally starving myself. I had disordered eating. I was exercising excessively. I, all I thought about was food and yet as I kind of reflect on where I've been at through pregnancy and my start of my motherhood journey, I am at my most comfortable with food. I don't obsess over it. I eat a range of foods and I'm not going to say healthy foods and unhealthy foods. I just eat food mm -hmm. and I exercise because it makes me feel good. Not because I hate myself. Oh, and awesome. I look at that and then I guess kind of going into maybe more as I start to talk about my doctor's appointments, that's where I look at it <laughs> of being like, I'm in a really good place and my mental health is great. And it was the right time for us to start having a family because of those things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I guess after um, the initial appointments, I had my ultrasounds and was then referred to the hospital. And that's kind of more so when some of the bias kicked in. So at about 16 weeks, I had my first appointment with the hospital over Zoom um, where they literally said to me, okay, well, this is your BMI. You're only allowed to put on, I think it was something like a very small number of weight, like nine kilos in pregnancy. And I was like, but a baby's like this much. <laughs> and, um, oh <laughs> And then I have a placenta and I've got like one and a half about times, you know, blood in my body flowing around. Like, are you telling me I'm losing weight in this process? Like, that's not what pregnancy's for. Yeah. They literally said, oh, well, we can send you to a dietitian." And I said, I, I don't need that. And after my appointment, they posted me out a chart of BMIs with my BMI on it and kind of highlighted where I was and how much I should gain with an information packet on healthy eating. Wow. Yeah. That's, I hate the whole thing, the whole notion with BMI. It's the most like, oh my God, it just, it's the most stupidest thing in the entire world. Um, anyone that is frustrated as well with the whole BMI and whether like they think like, oh yeah, but doctors use it all the time. You know, it's, it, it's correct. It's a scientific thing that people use. 
listen to the maintenance phase. They did a podcast episode about it. Um, listeners out there, check out that episode about me and Mice because you will realize they're a bunch of bullshit. <laughs> yeah. And that is what the entire pregnancy is based off, um, mm. sadly enough, which you'd think that I guess in the day and age we're in, you'd see that there is a lot more to health than simply the number on the scale and how that correlates to your height. Absolutely. I find that so interesting that the doctor you've been with for years, decades of your life, and you said you haven't had, you never had a negative experience with them. So I'm guessing they never brought BMI. (laughs) It's just so interesting that one doctor you have a good experience with, they never suggest you need to lose weight. And then the other one's just like, oh yeah, BMI. Yep. You need to lose weight. It's like, yeah, I'm growing organs right now. That's not a priority. <laughs> I'm trying to grow some organs. I don't want to be calorie counting right now. No, thanks. No, I don't <laughs> want to restrict my eating. Like I'm growing a human being who needs nutrients. Yeah. yeah. The idea of going on a 1200 calorie diet and <gasps> yeah, not that that's what they suggested, but that has been so much of what has been put out there in this mm. diet culture mm-hmm. eight four hundred calories the amount you need for a toddler mm-hmm. um I'm a fully grown human being I need to function I'm growing a person and that's what I did I kind of just ignored that advice completely yes. <laughs> for that. yes the funniest part was I could hardly eat in my first and second trimester because I was so sick so mm. it was such a strange thing to be lecturing me about food while I'm there like I can only eat dry biscuits. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So what else happened during your pregnancy journey then with um, doctor's appointments? As you went on later to your third trimester, surely the whole conversation of BMI was just out the window, surely. No. Um, so you have a lot of appointments at the hospital in person. Um, once you kind of move throughout your pregnancy as you get towards the end. and Every single time you get there, they would go, can you hop on the scales? And yeah, whatever that is, I complied. And I feel silly for doing that now instead of just being like, actually, this is causing me unnecessary stress. But even the process of doing that, um, my husband would come with me to appointments and instead of just, you know, taking note of the number, they'd read it out loud to the room and... Not that I, not that he cares or judges me on that, mm. but you know, there is so much about what number we're supposed to be and where we're sitting that there is always embarrassment. I've been taught since I was a child to be embarrassed about the number on the scales. So mm-hmm. to have that read aloud to a room and then said multiple times, then go, mm, you're quite heavy. Oh. Like, you know, and literally I was referred to extra scans as a result when there was no indication that, at any point, anything was wrong in my pregnancy. Wow. There was one particular appointment which stands out where, um, and I, I guess to say this in, in a very non-judgmental way, but um, a lot of the, the doctors who were doing the appointment were rather thin women. And, and I'm not pointing that out for anything other than it didn't seem like they would understand my experience of how it would be to have your weight be the focal point of a medical appointment mm. that was supposed to be about my child. Yeah. This one doctor sat down and from the moment I walked into the room and she weighed me, she was determined something should be wrong. That statistically, and the statistics are like 
so minor in terms of added risks or anything as a result of BMI that they're going off. She kept going, so you don't have gestational diabetes? No. And saying it as though she was shocked. Yeah. And she checked my blood pressure and she checked it twice to make sure that the number she got was accurate because I had perfect blood pressure. Mm. And she was expecting me to have problems. And as I laid down on the bed, part of what they do is they measure your stomach with this tape measure to see how big the baby's measuring. Mm -hmm. And she goes, oh, because of your size, it's probably going to be a bit off. And then goes, oh, actually, you're measuring right where you should be. And kind of had to bite her own words. And she sat down afterwards and it felt like she was just extending this appointment out and going... So there's, there's definitely nothing wrong. And, and we've done this blood test and nothing came back. <laughs> and I'm there like, what do you want me to tell you that something's wrong? Like nothing, nothing is. I'm wow. fine. My baby's fine. And you know, everything you're testing is showing that. So it was just like looking, looking for problems which didn't, didn't exist. Yeah. And all women get these tests at the hospital, I understand. Mm, mm-hmm. But it was the fact that she wouldn't take words written on paper or the numbers written on a screen as truth for how my pregnancy was going. Um, and I guess to point out, things like gestational diabetes mm-hmm. are not based on your diet. It's based on how your body reacts to your placenta and the hormones that it produces. Mm. weight's not a factor I know plenty of people who've had gestational diabetes and plenty of people who haven't weight is not the predictor for it so to even treat it as though because of what I'd been eating I was more at risk just showed again that bias coming through that I should have had it yeah Um, which you know it's such a frustrating experience to leave and go should something be wrong with me like (laughs) what's going on and that's the last thing you need like the last thing you need when you're pregnant is to have an extra stress because you're already stressing about like oh my god I'm gonna be there's gonna be a human being exiting out of me in a couple of months time (laughs) you already got that stress you don't need this extra thing of just like oh is there something wrong with me I, I, I literally was all fine with everything, but they seemed like they really wanted something to be wrong with me. Yeah. <laughs> oh my and I God. even was reflecting back about going to these hospital appointments and in the days leading up to them, I was so nervous. And this is going to make me sound like the most terrible mother as I say this, mm-hmm. but I wasn't nervous that something would be wrong with my child. I was nervous about how they would treat me after I hopped on the scales and what that number would be. And if I gained too much weight, and would they lecture me? And it depended on who I saw as to whether or not they saw that number as the be all and end all of my health picture. So even the fact that that worry overtook what should have been the main source of the appointment, which was this child I was growing, mm. is really sad to look back on. That wow. the joy of creating life was overshadowed by a number on a scale. That's just so disappointing. That really is. And I don't blame you that that was your biggest fear going into appointments. Like not only do we live in such a fat phobic society, but because you continuously were 
told by these professionals like oh there's something wrong with you you're doing something wrong like the the, your weight is something wrong like yeah that would be a fear like people don't like to be judged and mothers and people that are pregnant they get judged all the time already as it is so that extra pressure that would just be horrible to deal with yes no and it's it's true you do get judged you people see you eating or drinking coffee in public or whatever else Mm -hmm. it is and feel the need to say something (laughs) so um, I guess having something else on top of that for medical professionals that you're doing something wrong, you must be yeah. doing something wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, really, really sad that that's the approach that's taken. Yeah. I am curious that when during your pregnancy journey, what was it like? Because as someone that probably, I don't, I don't think I'll ever get pregnant or have kids. And I've always been curious, like as someone that has had a history of disordered eating and you yourself said that you have a history of disordered eating as well. What was it like then seeing your body change during that time? Like, for example, like, especially with the belly, like, you know, when as plus size people, we're told to cover up your belly, wear loose clothing to cover up your belly, got to have a flat belly, all this kind of stuff. What was it like being able to actually in from society's lens even though people all yeah. sizes should embrace their bellies from society's lens be able to just embrace your belly because it's pregnant do you know it was really nice mm. not holding it in like, oh <laughs> honey yes that would have felt nice yes it felt great <laughs> the strange thing though is and i guess we will talk a little bit about maternity clothing as well but mm after having hidden my body for so long and worried about what's flattering and what's not and what suits my size and all of the rest, everything that was available as maternity clothes is like these skin tight outfits that I'm like, no. (laughs) As much as I, I do accept myself and everything else, like that's not in my comfort zone. And maybe one day it will be. But, you know, in this transition of dressing and changing and growing and developing to go, okay, well, now that you've got an acceptable stomach, there's something in there, so it's acceptable, you should wear skin tight clothing. And that's just not um, (laughs) um, not something that I could change mentally myself in the space of a couple of months. Yeah, yeah. That's so interesting. So the end of the pregnancy then let's go to the delivery part that already is a overwhelming exhausting so much pressure so much anxiety everything did it get any better with the doctors in regards to their weight bias during that point no there was one particular um i guess experience in labor i had a pretty rough labor it went on for about five days he was posterior so he was facing the wrong way and just not coming down pause pause five days yeah (laughs) five days I started keeping a list on the first day of everything I'd done I went to movies and I went shopping and I went for lunch because it had just gone on for so long and then by the end I just it was like please let this be the day (laughs) um it was long I was oh. so exhausted by the time he came out, but very, very relieved that I it was on bus. I just felt my ovaries just shrink and shrivel <laughs> and shake right now. Oh, my God. Does that mean, like, five days of, like, contractions? Of yeah. Like- 
So I even went to the hospital, I think at day three and was like, this is it. We're three minutes apart. I'm ready to go. And they sent me home and I wasn't progressed enough. And I've just never cried so hard (laughs) that I wanted it to be over. Good. You deserve a medal or a hug or oh, a ceremony. Ah, oh, Jesus. This child has better worship me when he grows up. Yes, <laughs> yes. This child better be nice to you. Yes. I would just say to that child all the time, being like, you put me in pain for five days. You can do five days of school. Yep. You can do what I ask, please. Just yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And as it got to the final day, it was things were starting to progress and we were getting ready to come in. So we called the hospital and said, hey, this is where we're at. Do you think it's now time? Um, And the lady said, oh, just give it a couple more hours. When you get in, this is what we want to do. And she looked at my chart and said, okay, so we're going to put a cannula in your hand. Um, And part of what I'd done as a preparation for birth. What's a cannula? One of those like permanently stuck in um, sources where they can inject medication and put fluids into your wrist. So a really big needle that just sits in you. Um, Fun. Yeah, really good. (laughs) And I'd said, um, so yeah, through hypnobirthing, they'd say, just ask why. Why are they doing that intervention? Learn that you can say no. It's your body. You've got control over it. You don't need to say yes. Mm-hmm. which was a really great lesson for me to learn at the end of my pregnancy <laughs> and not at the start of it. Um, so I'd ask, well, why, why are you doing that? Because the idea of laboring and trying to get into the zone with this thing stuck in my hand, distracting me, wasn't what I'd pictured. Um, and she'd said, well, your BMI is a bit high, after you give birth, we might want to put medication in to help you give birth to your placenta. And I said, well, can't you just put it in at the end? And she went, we could do that. But, you know, having it in beforehand due to your weight just makes it easier for us. Oh. Which I still didn't understand. And I'd said to her, so can I say no to that? And she went, yeah, but we'd really recommend against it. But even through that, I still didn't feel like that was a good enough reason to have an unnecessary medical procedure done that I didn't need. Mm. There was no indication that I was going to have issues passing my placenta Mm -hmm. um, other than the fact that she'd said BMI might impact it. So... Back at it again with the BMI. Yes. (laughs) So again, like that had just become the focus as opposed to, well, there's nothing else there, which is saying I need it. So mm. I'm, I'm going to say no, unless you can give me another reason. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then we did end up needing it because um, my contractions were slowing my baby's heart rate down just a little bit too much. So I wanted that in there for his sake, not as a result of my BMI. Yeah. Uh-huh. And funnily enough, they put it in. I've got the world's best veins. I'm literally like the palest human alive and I've got like a vein map. It may not look like it in this lighting, but I'm so white. Um, you can see every single vein on my body. Yeah. And they mucked it up every time they tried to put it in and exploded blood all over the floor. So ah. 
I felt like that was my karma to them for suggesting it unnecessarily <laughs> that they had to clean up my blood all over the floor. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. But other than that, everything progressed and it came out and I was left alone and it, it didn't really come up again. Once, once the child comes out and they're checked and healthy, it's mm. forgotten about. Okay. Wow. So yeah, it was really, really odd. <laughs> That's so odd. Wow. That's so interesting that, yeah, BM, I didn't, I had no idea BMI was something that was just still used so often in the medical industry. Obviously I'm not a medical expert at all, but like yeah. just like so many of, the discussions I've heard from experts about like how BMI is just such an outdated thing to use. Yeah. Like, wow. I had no idea. It was just used that often. Wow. It was like the main focus of everything we were going to, what number, how to relate. Yeah. How much have you gained? And it was such a strange thing to need to monitor so heavily. Yeah. And, yeah. as, and as someone that's got a history of disordered eating and that I can't imagine how triggering that would be like, you know, like, as you said beforehand, you know, you weren't someone that, you know, was assessed, obsessed with your body weight or anything like that. You had such a good relationship with your body beforehand um, yeah. after your experience with the disordered eating, that would be such a flip of the script to then all of a sudden be told all the time oh this is how much you weigh oh this is how much your bmi is oh you should probably lose this amount like that would oh i would not know how to handle that no and it's like i hadn't weighed myself for ages before i got pregnant i mm. they asked like how yeah how much did you weigh at the start of pregnancy and i didn't know mm. because i didn't feel i needed to <laughs> um <laughs> i was exercising and i was eating well and again eating well is for me, a variety of foods. It's being able to love the veggies and love the fries and everything in between and not treat food as though it's inherently good or bad. Like that for me is a healthy state of being. Yeah, so absolutely. Mm. To go back to carbs are bad and sugar is bad was such a strange thing that, um, you know, leaving those appointments, I'd, I'd really have to consciously think, but it's okay. I can ignore it. Everything is saying that what I'm doing is fine, regardless of what these medical professionals are consistently pushing on me. Yeah, yeah. That is why it's, yeah, such a big issue still nowadays that there is such a fat phobic bias in so many industries, particularly in the medical industry. So, yeah, that's something that definitely needs to change. And, yeah, I have a I have a big feeling that, yeah, a lot of listeners right now listening to this that are plus size and that have gone through the pregnancy experience, like, yeah, have dealt with things like this and comments like that, like, oh, it's not right. It's not right at all. Especially, yeah, when you're pregnant, it's just meant to be a beautiful time, also yeah. an overwhelming time. Like, it's the last thing you need. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. 
So another issue that you spoke to me about um, earlier was about maternity clothes. So you briefly said that a lot of the maternity clothes were very tight. And as you said, because you happen to be pregnant. So that means you the belly that you have, you're allowed to show it off then. What other issues did you have to deal with when it came to maternity clothes? Because already as a plus size person, it is hard as hell to try and find clothes that fit you and that you actually like. How did you go with maternity shopping, maternity clothes shopping? Not well. (laughs) (laughs) I think I messaged just about every, you know, plus size influencer that had kids that I knew to say, hey, what did you wear when you were pregnant? Like. I, I can't find anything as much as the skin tight items were one thing in some brands that went yeah, not even to a full plus size range. The whole issue was just about the complete lack of availability. Yeah. So, you know, when brands are offering maternity wear that stops at a size 14. <laughs> <that's-> <laughs> oh, oh God. Mm. Yeah, Standing rapidly in my boobs and my bum and my hips and my belly and going, oh my God, like, could I squeeze something on? Is it stretchy enough that it could fit me? What could I do? <laughs> yeah. I, I wouldn't fit a leg in <laughs> all of those clothes. So, yeah, just generally looking around and a lot of people were coming back and saying, I'm sorry, I don't know of any brands that offer plus size maternity clothes Mm, mm -hmm. or when I was pregnant I just made do I wore flowy skirts and hoped they had enough room yeah as someone who was in a corporate job and needing to present a particular way I couldn't do that I couldn't rock up to work in a boho maxi skirt (laughs) and just hope that (laughs) that was fine for the day Mm. um there was just such a lack of availability even after still continuing to research now the highest size range I've been able to find is a size 18 and that's appalling that is crazy that is wow the fact that they just assumed that like bigger people don't a have sex and b get pregnant Mm -hmm. what are you supposed to do with that yeah particularly when you're looking at once you give birth I mean obviously you want things that fit your stomach and whatever else but after you give birth your body is so out of whack like Mm. your boobs are huge and you need to find breastfeeding friendly clothes which means you need to pull them down or do this and that with them and trying to comb through the very small percentage of shirt tops and um oversized t-shirts and other things like that was all that I could find that really would work so it's been a really depressing um journey afterwards of being like I want to feel good about myself again I want to wear things that aren't just bike shorts and oversized shirts or you know bra and undies sitting around the house Mm. and no one's offering it How'd you go with maternity bras then? Because as someone with big titties, like I struggle just to find bras for myself. How do you go then with maternity bras? I actually had um, probably a good experience in the end, but I looked everywhere online and I was really struggling to find anything. Like Mm. 
my boobs went up to a H cup and that alone is something that's really difficult to find in a bra shop. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Let alone adding maternity clips and everything else. I ended up going, and I know you're Brisbane based, but in Wollongabba, there's um, a little bra shop called Tracy G's Prosthetics, um, who oh, do bras yes. for women who've had breast cancer and other things um, mm. going on. So may need other cups and bits and pieces. And they were the only stockist I found that had maternity items in a size H. They were really good. They ordered things in for me. The lady in the store actually even said, if you find a bra you like, I'll cut the straps and I'll sew on the maternity clips for you. What an angel. Wow. Amazing. What an Which angel. <laughs> really took a lot of the stress off because I didn't know where else I'd find things. Yeah. And the idea of buying a bra online, as much as I can try and follow a size chart, like they're never accurate. They oh never fit goodness. properly. <laughs> no never trust a size chart oh no 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 no. they're either you know way too small and I'm busting out of things or they're way too big and I don't fill the cups and then I'm going what do I do with this Mm -hmm. but they had items in store they fitted them on me they yeah they were great um so that's awesome that was my savior postpartum (laughs) (laughs) I'll make sure to add their name to the show notes so yeah people in Brisbane if you're in need of some good quality range of bras yeah make sure I put the um, link in the show notes definitely so post-pregnancy post-labor post all all the fun stuff what I want to mention is that seems to be all over Instagram, all over social media after someone gives pregnant is the post baby body. And, you know, women have to bounce back. Always bounce back as if like, you know, they didn't just push out or get cut open this little human being out of them. They didn't just grow organs in their belly. (laughs) How did you go with the pressure to bounce back? Yeah. Again, I think it was one of those things because of my journey with my body that I am trying really hard to ignore and I'm still actively trying really hard to ignore. I really struggle with the notion of a bounce back because what are you trying to bounce back from a body that looks like mine? Mm -hmm. Like what's so wrong with that? And my body looked like, you know, a postpartum body before I had a child. I had (laughs) a belly and hips and thighs and everything else going on. It wasn't as though I, you know, was this, ultra tone tight muscly woman and I needed to get back to that picture of what was fit enough to be attractive mm. I, I looked how I looked and that's you know what I've come to accept and love what I did find hard though I guess is afterwards everyone saying things like oh well the weight will just melt off once you're breastfeeding and constant comments about you'll just lose the weight and going, well, wait, I'm like the same weight I was before I was pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> also, that's not a priority right now. Right now, it's just making sure this little human being thing survives this horrible world we live in. Like, that's yeah. the priority. It was like the priority was getting dressed and putting a bra on every day. Like, yeah. <laughs> that was a win. It wasn't going out and torturing myself with exercise. It wasn't 
starving myself. If anything, I've never been hungrier than when I've been breastfeeding. <laughs> and all I want to do is make sure I'm eating enough to sustain my child. Mm, absolutely. And, you know, the idea of cutting calories again, which um, you do see on these online mum groups and when are you getting back to exercise and what diet shape should I have that won't affect my supply? Like that's such <laughs> a strange conversation that your body's screaming it needs calories. Yeah. And you're not listening to it. Mm. That's <laughs> you're actively avoid like ignoring what your body is telling you to do. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's so true. And they're always like, you know, listen to your body, listen to your body, but it's just like, okay, you actually need to feed two people right now. And yeah. also, and I I really like that's like been like an aha moment for me when you said that the people that are all about the bounce back bodies, like, you know, getting back to your body after you're pregnant, like they're afraid of living in that postpartum body. But for so many plus size people, that postpartum body of, you know, uh, like, you know, loose skin, stretch marks, uh, a belly, that's just our body's day-to-day life. And it's really sad that so many people fear that or even think it's ugly and should be rid of the world no one should dare see it and if they do show it off it's brave and all this stuff yeah this person who's still a size you know eight is showing off that she's got saggy skin on her belly and like again I'm not judging that but in society's eyes like that is a great size to be (laughs) (laughs) I judge it's bad. Maybe some people might come to my 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 messages and get cranky at me about this, but this is a pet peeve of mine. I get so cranky, so cranky when I see like people that are clearly like, you know, size eight, like they're just clearly slim bodies. They clearly have slim bodies and they will like, like put their shoulders forward. And so then it looks like they have a, like a little pouch happening or they'll just take photos that are quote unquote unflattering and just be like, I'm brave. Cause look, I'm not perfect. And it's just like, you can fit on airplane seats. You don't go to a doctor's office and be told all the time that your BMI is too high, even though that whole system is just a load of shit. Like you live in a society that welcomes your body size. Stop trying to like, oh, that's just mm, a pet peeve of mine. I don't like it. Just really, really annoys me. Just totally. Drives me nuts. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I feel the same, and it's you know it's going on the fact that as much as a game, I, I don't I don't see being a size eight personally. Like I'm not going to attack that and say anything nasty about their size, but the fact that they're constantly oh I'm fat and I need to lose weight and I'm this, they don't understand the privilege that they possess. Mm-hmm. and walking through life with that privilege of you're treated with respect people again don't look at what you order when you go to a food court and think you shouldn't be eating that you can sit down with a burger and fries and they'll go treat yourself girlfriend oh yes mm-hmm, mm-hmm. instead of learn some self-control yeah. which is how they- <laughs> <laughs> oh my god yes. body, which is ridiculous Mm-hmm. So yeah, again, that same trope of like, I'm bouncing back into this body and I'm like, your size now as your postpartum body is still smaller than mine. <laughs> what are you saying about me? And that's not yeah. to say that you can feel uncomfortable in your body and you can mm-hmm. feel uncomfortable in your skin and 
want to work on and change that. But the idea of putting it out into the world that you were disgusting beforehand is just simply not true. So to finish off this podcast every single week on the show, I like to bring on bring my guests on and have them share their fave fat friendly find. Basically, it's a brand, a product, an influencer, a, a chair, a deodorant, whatever it is, that actually caters to the plus size community and is in fat phobic AF. So, my dear Gemma, what is your fave fat friendly find of the week? I'm going to go with the one I've already shouted out to, but it's going to be Tracy G's Prosthetics, who yes. took me in and treated me the same and didn't make a comment on what size I needed and whether it had to be ordered or not. They just found me a bra and knew that I needed a bra and got me one. That's it. And that's what it should be, shopping for, whether it's shoes, clothes, anything else that I have a need, help me fill it. I'll spend my money with you. And it's bloody good money. (laughs) (laughs) I think for me this week, my shout out would have to go towards Cheek Media Co. They have these fabulous shirts that call out the media and that are very much, just very much my brand of just being a little bit sassy. And yeah, my shirt came in today, which I'm very happy about. And what is awesome their actual size chart was actually correct. <laughs> and I got, cause I got, cause normally anyone in the plus size community knows this. Normally if you buy something from a brand and you haven't bought from them before, you're just like, I'm just going to size up just in case, just in case. And I did size up and my shirts come and it's going to be really baggy on me now. And I love it. And I was just like, yes, <laughs> yes. So I'm very happy. And yeah, it says, wait, where's the shirt? I'm very happy with it. It says, Where's the headline? It says, Rupert Murdoch would hate my newsfeed. It makes me very (laughs) happy. As someone that always calls out the Murdoch industry, paper, everyone influenced by him, it makes me very happy. So, yeah. So, yeah, Cheek Media Co., um, I think it's every couple of months or I forget that they release, like, a bunch of T-shirts that have, yeah, just some really funny slogans on it if you just love a bit of Lair, a bit of sassiness on your shirts. Yeah. And they go to plus size. They go to plus size. They, they go to like 5X or 4X. I don't know. I'll put it in the show notes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, thank you so much, Gemma, for coming onto the show and just being so honest and so vulnerable with your pregnancy journey and post-pregnancy journey. Like I feel, as you, as you said at the beginning of the episode, sadly, I think a lot of people will be able to relate to your experience, but I'm glad at least they've been able to hear your story and just know that they're not alone going through all this. So just big thank you for coming on to the show. Thank you so much. Thank you. And hopefully if anyone running a brand or wanting to start a brand is listening to this, make some plus size maternity clothes. We will buy them. Yes, 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 yes. Any listeners out there, if you're wondering, oh, I want to start a business, but I don't have a business idea, maternity wear. I will promote it. (laughs) I will share it around. There are people here that will buy it. Yes. Give us more maternity wear and maternity bras. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, well, thank you so much for coming on. And also thank you to your fabulous cat as well. I'm going to forget. How do you pronounce the name again? Jojoba. Jojoba. Um, no. Jojoba. <laughs> just living the life still. Just, just so unfazed that you're doing an interview, just still just 
I want every that time call, she will make an appearance. It's like she knows. <laughs> There's a camera and she would like to be photographed. <laughs> Love it. That's the lifestyle to leave. Yes. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on. And thank you so much, listeners, for tuning into today's episode. If you want more of the Fatinized podcast or just any more from me, make sure you head on over to Kaleidoscope News and Fatinize on Instagram. That's at Kaleidoscope News and at Fatinize. And if you want to show your extra, extra support, feel free to leave us a rating and a review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. I will see you all next week. Bye. We at Fatanize pay our respect to the traditional custodians of the Mianjin land. This land is and always will be Aboriginal land.